Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blabber podcast. I would like to welcome everyone to another episode of the show. On today's podcast, the North London Derby, we got Chelsea's struggles, we got Julian Nagelsmann taking over Germany, uh, Colorado football, and the Miami Dolphins. Maybe sneak some other stuff in there if I can, but let's start off with the Derby from yesterday, which was... Like most North London derbies, very entertaining. Uh, Arsenal up twice and then Tottenham coming back to draw twice. I think it's a fair result at the end of the day. Um, Arsenal had some chances. Tottenham had some chances. Arsenal needs to be more clinical, that's for sure. A lot of chances in the first half, or they could have put the game away. Honestly, if we're gonna be, if we're gonna be realistic here, I know that it said I said at the end of the day, it feels like it's the fair result, but that's because in the second half, I think Spurs were better and Arsenal was better in the first half. So Arsenal just didn't take their chances in the first half, right? And Kedia had a one-on-one with a goalkeeper. It just developed way too slowly. He came in from the left or the right side, which was a bad pass from Udogi back to the goalkeeper Vicario, and it was just cut off by Eddie Nketiah. What he should have done in hindsight, and maybe it's easy to talk about now that it, everything's kind of over and you kind of saw it developing, but Nketiah had to see it developing as well. He had Fabio Vieira coming from the top of the box down to the down the middle, and he could have squared it to him, and I he would have had a wide open goal because the goalkeeper was playing Enkedia for the shot, which I think is the right thing to do in that situation. You have to kind of cut off his corners and his angles and make sure he doesn't score. And then whatever else happens, I mean, you can't be responsible for everything, right? So you have to just do your best as a goalkeeper to cut off the goal scorer's uh, opportunity, or at least the guy who has the ball at his feet. And it just developed way too slowly. Vicario ended up saving uh, the shot and it went out for a corner kick. Then uh, Gabriel Jesus missing a sitter after stripping Madison. So what Tottenham kept on doing this entire match, and I'm not sure why, they kept on playing short passes into the own 18-yard box, which a lot of them were challenged by Arsenal very well. I think that Odegaard did an excellent job of pressing until he got a yellow card, which was a stupid yellow card that he picked up for descent, which you can't do. Um, and Jesus basically stripped uh, Madison and from about seven, eight yards out, blasted it over the net. And I'm not a fan. I don't. I really don't like Jesus and Enkedia in the starting lineup together. I just don't. I think up top, there's not enough creativity. I think they're both center forwards which gives us a lack of creativity with only Bukayo Saka in the front three who can kind of create something for himself or for others. And I think to criticize Saka a little bit, he kept on going at Udogi the, the, in the first half. Udogi picked up a, a yellow card. I think it was somewhere in the 20th minute. And then we just stopped going at him. And that's the time that you should go even harder because now he has a yellow card. He can't make a mistake anymore. Otherwise, in a second yellow, red, he's out of the game, right? I think that's a big-time mistake that we made in that uh, match that isn't talked about enough. Uh, 
Spurs made good on their goal. Uh, nice cross for Madison. Beautiful finish from Sun, who had a brutal season last year. I think he had four or five goals. This year, he already has as many, I, I think. Uh, Johnson had to do better on his shot. There was a build up in a play where he kind of fanned on his shot and just got a little bit of it, which was, a, I mean, a great stop from Raya. Um, Raya, he had to dive from one side to the other. He ended up getting his hand on it. A big save at that point in the match. And Spurs looked more threatening in the second half, like I said. Scored right after Saka gave Arsenal the lead off a PK. Just a brutal mistake from Jorginho uh, where he has to do better. I mean, as the last man, you can't try to dribble Madison. And the goal now, like, there's a lot of people saying, well, should should Saliba have played it differently? Should he have stayed drawn drawn to uh, Madison or should he have gone to Sun? Honestly, at the end of the day, I don't know if it matters that much. I think with Sun's finishing ability and even Madison's finishing ability, I think they're scoring on that 9 out of 10 times. So I don't think it really matters what he does in that uh, point in the match. But yeah, the second half was was a little bit more Spurs, I would say. Arsenal still had a chance or two, but it was it was more so what Spurs did. Um so yeah. Um and I think that Tottenham has more of an identity under Ange. Play attacking football football only way that they really know how to play. And that's why we were given so many opportunities at scoring because defensively they're not very good. So that's why we Arsenal had the chances that they had in the first half. And I think Sar and uh, Basuma, we we should have taken advantage of them a lot more than what we uh, did in the first half. And yeah, basically Romero was all over the place, I think as well. I think he's one of the worst guys, worst players on the pitch. Um, Yeah, but I think, but I think under Ange, they have an identity. And they have something to look forward to kind of for the rest of their season or however however long he is there for. Uh, for Arsenal, looming questions. Who's the starting goalkeeper going forward? I didn't think Raya was, was convincing. Distribution was rather poor, which is when you consider him as a goalkeeper, that's what he does well. So it was very poor. Is Ramsdale back in goal next match? I don't know. I think anyone's guess, guessing at this point. I think if Raya was was really good against Tottenham in the Derby, then he would be in goal the next match. But now I don't know. I'm not totally convinced. I I really don't know. I don't know when the first cup match is, but I I I expect Ramsdale to be in goal for that one. And what happens? I th- I think you have to identify who your starting goalkeeper is, especially if you're a team that's fighting for titles and whatnot I think you have to have an established number one goalkeeper going forward which is something that the team is going to have to do I think in the next month or so uh injuries are starting to pile up for Arsenal yet again um Partey's out Rice's injury from what I read today doesn't look to be that serious Fabio Vieira I'm not sure what happened with him let's hope it's not serious Martinelli we're not sure and Trossard we're not really that sure yet so I think that so now this is where that squad depth has to come in. And instead of starting both Enkedia and Gabriel Jesus, we could have gone with someone like um Reese Nelson or even 
I know he hasn't played much, but Emil Smith-Rowe. I think that would have been a better option, more creativity, versus two guys who can kind of get things done in front of net and can't really create much for their teammates. So I think that's, I mean, it's easy, again, in hindsight, it's easy to say that now. I mean, if Arsenal won the match and, you know, Jesus and, and, and Kedia were big parts of scoring goals, we wouldn't be saying that. We'd be saying that Arteta looked like a genius. But the Havertz substitution, again, didn't do much for Arsenal. He's just he's just not displaying the quality that, that we need and the price tag. And the price tag was always way too high. He's still living off that Champions League goal in the final. Like, the price tag is way too high for Kai Havertz. Jorginho is up there in age as well. I mean, the mistake that he made, you can't do that. You just As the last man, you can't attempt to dribble an attacking player. It's not going to work. And that's what he did, and it cost us a goal. Um, next topic, Chelsea's struggles. Uh, so right off the top, what I've been saying for a while now is that the team is way too young. I mean, you got a bunch of 20 to 23-year-olds, 19 to 23-year-olds. And I feel like Thiago Silva is like the babysitter on this squad. It's just way too many, way too many young guys. And to be fair, I never, it's hard to use injuries as an excuse, but they've been decimated by them. Fofana, um, Badia Shiel, uh, James, Lavia, and Kunku. Like, there's a lot of injuries on this team. It feels like they get one guy back and then four more get injured. And it's tough to develop anything when your team is that injury prone and when they've got that many injuries. And when you look at their team as, I mean, they're attacking their attackers are everyone's between apart from Raheem Sterling, who is only 20 years old. I still can't believe that he turns 29 in December. Everyone is so young. I mean, Cole Palmer is 21. You got uh, Mikhail Mudrik, 22. Uh, who else? Uh, Nicholas Jackson, 22. Um, Broja, 22. David Washington, 18. Conor Gallagher is still only 23. Like, there's a lot of young players. Madueke, age 21. It's just, it, you have to have some kind of balance between young and veteran players. I think they took, and I don't know if they did this as a team, but I feel like they just tried to copy what Brighton's been trying to do. Where they buy young players and they try to develop them. But it just hasn't worked like that for them. I mean, Chilwell's missed time. Like, they, there's just so many injuries with these guys. So many. And some of their purchases haven't been that good as either. Right? Like, Cucurella hasn't lived up to the price tag. Casado's been okay. Enzo Fernandez hasn't been great. Like, there's some issues here. And how do they solve them? I'm not really sure. I was, I was a person who used to think that you throw money at your problems, they're going to go away in football. And... Chelsea has proven that does not work at all. You know, you always see teams like Real Madrid back in the day just throw money at their problems and then, you know, it fixes everything. It has not worked and it's pretty much backfired on them. Because you're bringing in a roster and it's 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 just so many young players are trying to prove themselves. There's only 11 starting spots. So... It hasn't worked for them. I don't... Where did they go from here? I honestly don't know. What did they do? I don't know. But... It's not looking good for them. 
It's really not. And they currently sit where are they 14th on the table. And I think they need to add some veterans to this team. They've been trying to knock it out of the ballpark with, with young players, big price tags for about two years now, and it hasn't worked. So I think they need to get some veteran leadership, especially in that back line to help out Thiago Silva and in the midfield in the attack. I don't know, but yeah, three goals scored in the last three matches and they haven't played great teams. It's been Nottingham Forest, who's 14th, Bournemouth, who's 16th and Aston Villa. Aston Villa is a decent team, the seventh, but the only team that they've beaten is Luton Town, right? West Ham, they lost to. And Liverpool, they drew on the first match day. So actually, that's a good good start to the season. I mean, you draw Liverpool at home 1-1. You think you could get some results, but their schedule is very tough. I mean, there's stretch in the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In their next nine matches, they got Fulham away. They got Burnley away. They got Arsenal at home. Brentford at home. Spurs away. Man City at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home, and Manchester United away. I don't know if the schedule could get any tougher than that. That's nine matches. There's a lot of points on the board. 27. With their current form, I don't know if they could pick up four or five. So they're going to have to get this thing rolling quickly. And those two matches, Fulham and Burnley, I think are going to tell us a lot about Chelsea going forward. Those are two matches. I understand that they're way. They have to pick up six points from those two matches. Where else they pick up points, I'm not sure. Brentford's a quality side. Arsenal's good. Spurs, again, a new identity. City is City, even though they have some injuries as well. Newcastle's just beat Bournemouth 8... Uh, sorry, Sheffield United 8-0. Brighton's a very good young team. I understand the United's kind of come crashing down a little bit, but that's still going to be a tough game. Like, where do their points come from, right? They're going to need to get some of these guys healthy, and they're going to need to start playing a lot better. Where they go from here, again, I have no idea. I have no idea. But veteran leadership would help this team a lot. It's just that the transfer window is closed, and they're going to have to wait until January to do any more business. Where they go, again, I have no idea. But they're going to need to turn this around quickly. This isn't on... This isn't on Pochettino or, or any of this. It's, I mean, it's a rough spot to be in. So they're just going to have to start playing better. They're going to have to start developing some chemistry. And that's really tough when you're bringing in five, six guys every transfer window, right? You're bringing in guys with high price tag guys again. Young guys are trying to prove themselves. Big, big time price tags. And now you're throwing everyone into the starting lineup. And you're saying, well, go mesh. That's very difficult to do. And once they start meshing, you know, you're bringing in another four or five guys from the next transfer window. And now you got to learn to mesh again. So where they go from here, how they fix this, I'm not sure. Good luck to them, though. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann taking over Germany. So I, I think I talked about this on a previous podcast, just a one-year deal. Uh, he will be their head coach at the next Euros, which will be coasting in Germany. So Germany doesn't have any matches that are coming up that are competitive matches so to say so they have united states and east hartford on the 14th of october then they have mexico and philadelphia on the 18th 
and on the 21st of November, they have Austria in Vienna. Because they're hosting, you know, they don't they don't participate in qualifying. So, uh, Nagelsmann is going to have to put his uh, print on this team very quickly. Because there's not a lot of time, right? There's less than a year until the Euros. Um, in terms of, like, Nagelmann himself, I think by this point we thought he was going to be at a club level. We thought he was going to be at a bigger on a bigger team like Real Madrid type of thing. And I remember there was rumors about him going to Real Madrid, you know, when Ancelotti leaves. And that could still very well happen. But I think he's kind of taken a little step back. He's had a rough patch at Bayern Munich where he got sacked and there's some things going on over there behind closed doors. And then, you know, F Flick getting sacked as well. And, and Tuchel looks like he's complaining now. And the players are mad at, at Bayern and feels like this whole thing with with German football is is just going crazy now but like it was a weird time to kind of fire flick right it was just a weird weird timing with no competitive matches nothing like that and then I think Nagelsmann was always the favorite to take over the job and then I think from here he's gonna take on a bigger role somewhere else we'll see by then by then maybe Chelsea's is done with Pochettino or or whatever the case may be, but I think he's going to go back to club level. I don't, I don't, I can't see him staying as the Germany uh, head coach for a very long time. He's only 36 years of age. He's already been managing for like six, seven seasons, years. So very young guy, but I don't think he's going to stay long with the German team. I think this is just something kind of like in between jobs, so to say. So I think this is just a brief stop for him before he takes over another club. And like, like I said, we'll see who that is. Um, We'll see if that is. I, I have a feeling like when he was at Hoffenheim, I have a feeling like Hoffenheim was like a Brighton type of team. So is this RB gone by then? I don't know. Hopefully not because I really like the way that his um his team looks. Brighton team looks. So, you know, we'll kind of see. And he was always, Nagelsmann was always also rumored with Spurs and some other jobs. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's down the road. That's, pretty much the start of next season um so yeah we'll see about that uh football the other one colorado demolished by oregon 42 to 6 uh shadura sanders's worst game of the season i think he had like 159 passing yards i think it was 22 of 32 or something i don't have the stats in front of me but um worst passing game in terms of yards um Schedule gets tougher, like I said already. I spoke about this on the last podcast. So they had um, Oregon away. Next week they have they're at home to USC. So Caleb Williams against Shadur Sanders. I think that's going to be a great matchup. I don't. I don't think that's going to be a blowout. Then they got Arizona State away. They got Stanford at home. UCL away. They got Oregon State at home. Arizona at home, and then away to Washington State and Utah. So I think the over-under, they said, was like six and a half. So basically, they think they're going to win three more games for the rest of the season. Which, with their schedule, we'll see where that goes. But, you know, that's that's something to... If you're a betting person, I'm not. That's something to keep an eye on. And I think they need Travis, Hen uh, Travis Hunter back. I think the question with Travis Hunter is, is he going to play both sides of the ball again as a receiver and a defensive player with the injury that he picked up against Colorado State? 
I think that's something to kind of watch for uh, in the next when he does come back is if he plays both sides of the ball. I think maybe the first game back, they're only going to play him on either defense or offense. And then, you know, as he progresses through the season, they go back to playing him both sides of the ball. But I don't know if he's going to, I don't know if he's going to be playing both sides of the ball right away. I think that's yet to be seen. Um, and this is like, now we're going to find out about this Colorado team, right? Like they're already, they've already given up a lot of points during the season. Like if you take a look at their, at their schedule, like they've given up huge points. TCU is 42, Nebraska only 14, but Colorado state 35. And then now Oregon 42, right? It's a lot of points to give up. So that defensive side of the ball is going to have to get better if they can keep any of these games um, close that are upcoming. But like I said, Travis Hunter needs to get healthier. And I'm sure Dora Sanders isn't going to have another game like he had against uh, Oregon, I don't think. And, and the Oregon head coach, when he did the whole thing in the huddle, when he said they're here for clicks and we're here for wins, well, he technically said that for clicks too because he knew he was going to get out there. So I guess he did it for the clicks as well. Uh, Miami Dolphins putting up, was it 70 points yesterday? That's crazy. No Jalen Waddle either. Man, I guess they were really right when they said that, you know, as long as Tua can stay upright, he's a pretty damn good quarterback. And Denver's just, I mean, just to quickly talk about Denver's just struggling at this point. Um, do they go and bench Russell Wilson? I think we'll find that out in the next few weeks. But man, they're really, really struggling. I think a lot of people thought that they look a little different this season with with Sean Payton there, but it's it's been a struggle yet again. Look, they got Bears next in Chicago. They have to win that. Then the Jets come to visit them. That's another game that they have to win. And then they got the very good Chiefs who are back. Then they got the Packers who are surprising some people this season. Then they got the Chiefs again. Then they got Bills, Vikings. It's it's a gonna it's gonna be a tough stretch. And I think that's where we're going to learn a lot about this team. Their defense last season was was pretty damn good. I remember all the stats. You know, if their offense had just scored 20 points, they would have had 10-11 wins. Not when you give up 70 to the Dolphins, who are very good. But I'm saying your your, your defense isn't, just doesn't exist. So that's something to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. If Russell Wilson, he is he in a little bit of trouble there? We'll find out. New York Jets again. Man. Like I said that Zach Wilson just has to be a competent quarterback. And the Jets might have a chance. He hasn't been very competent. I mean, they've scored 20 points in their last two games. And even 22 if you want to look at the win against the Bills. Just not not good, right? Chiefs, they got the Chiefs next. Then they got Broncos, Eagles. They got Giants, Chargers, Raiders, so it's going to be tough. I, I don't know. That Chiefs game could be Zach Wilson's last game as a starter if he's not benched by then, and that's on October 1st. A20 start. So, and a lot of folks are saying the right thing. Like, last season should have been Zach Wilson's final season with them, but I feel like... and. It does feel like they're trying to prove something by having him still on the roster, by you know saying we drafted this kid, whatever he went second overall, like we're not going to give up on him. But at some point, 
Like the kid's just not good enough. And you're wasting the prime years of, you know, Garrett's career and some of these other guys. So it's something that I would, you know, strongly, but, and again, the question is, who do you bring in, right? There's only so many guys that are out there who you can kind of bring in. There was talks about Minshew, but now with Richardson out, Minshew, you know, that Colts beat the Ravens yesterday in overtime. I think Minshew would have been a great guy to have back to bring in, but I mean, depending on Richardson and, and what's happening with him, I don't, I don't think that Colts are going to get rid of him. So yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough season. Looks like for the Broncos and the Jets, we'll see if they can kind of th- turn things around. And if they do, they're going to have to do it very quickly because the season is coming to a screeching, screeching halt for the both of them very quickly. They're going to have to start potting on some wins. The Jets at least have that one win against the Bills, right? From from opening night. So, yeah. Uh, that's the podcast for today. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Uh, remember, you could catch this podcast on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch up again uh, down the road. Take care.